I'm pretty excited to actually share with you guys uh, today. So a few weeks ago, uh, our family had the opportunity to go to uh, Willowa Lake. It's a beautiful area. Uh, and we spent a wonderful weekend in the Word um, looking at sharing God's Word with others. And I think we've been going to this camp for probably eight different years. Probably this week that we went, we probably grew more as a family than any other time. And so I wanted to take a little bit of time with you guys this morning and just share some of the stuff that we looked at. So if you want to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 5, Acts chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 12. The title of this morning's teaching is, Be a Guide Unto Jesus. <clears throat> so this is shortly after the day of Pentecost. Things were really happening in the, in the church. Believers were being converted daily, um, and really things were being turned on its ear. So it says, starting in verse 12, and the hands of the apostles were met, and by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and of the rest durst no man join himself to them, but the people magnified them, and believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they were brought that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing. By might overshadow some of them. Think about how much God's word was moving, how big the Holy Spirit was at this time, that the believing was such that, man, if just the shadow of Peter passes over me, I could get saved. That's amazing. There came also multitudes out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. Then the high priest rose up, and all that were with him, which, in the sect of the, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with indignation. So the church wasn't real happy with what was going on. Not much different than when Jesus was alive and with them. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in common prison. And then get this. But the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth and said, Go stand and speak in the temple to the people, all the words of this life. And that's what we're going to look at, is all the words of this life. These are spiritual words, or spiritual life. This isn't just talking about our fleshly life that we have. It's our spiritual life. These are the words that he, they were instructed to go share. So the apostles, like I said, they were stirring things up. They were healing the sick, working miracles. They were adding believers to the Lord. Multitudes, it says. This upset the priests and the Sadducees, right? They threw him in prison. That's not a really a time that most people think of rejoicing or doing anything positive. But the apostles, they were released by the angel, and the angel instructed them, go and speak. So we're going to look at this in more detail. What did it mean to speak, about, uh, to, speak to others about God and his son, Jesus Christ? How do we know what to say? Who do we speak it to? Let's turn uh, to Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2. 
We're going to start reading in verse 1, Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. And ye, you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and, of, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace ye are saved, are ye saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So in verses 1 and 2, it talks about our target audience. It's those who are, who are lost. Look what it says there. It says, they're dead in trespasses and sin. They're walking according to the course of this world. That's the same place we were at one time, before we were saved. Our motivation for sharing God's word should be to go reach those folks. And then also, the other thing that is, is clear here is our motivation cannot be about works. We can't get more saved than we are already. So if you're, doing, if you're going to share God's word with others, it shouldn't be about getting yourself more saved or trying to work out your salvation by getting others there. It needs to be out of a good heart. It needs to be out of wanting to share what God has richly given to us. So the first thing you need to ask yourself is, what is my motivation? Why do I want to share God's word? If the answer is to share the gospel and help others to see how great a Savior we have and how to get saved, then you're on the right track. So who do we seek? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6. <clears throat> Blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's who we seek. We seek those who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness. This is a promise from God. It shall be filled. If somebody is out there hungering and seeking, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, God's word says they shall be filled. And when God says he shall do something, he shall do it. He will do it. He will absolutely every time fulfill that. But God needs help to carry out this promise. He needs his children to go forth and to carry it out. We need to ask God to direct us, to tell us who is hungering and thirsting. And when we do that, he'll put them in our path. Turn, if you will, to John chapter 10. There's only one way until salvation. John chapter 10. Not only one, that one way to save someone or be saved, that's through Jesus Christ. John chapter 10, verse 9. 
I am the door. This is Jesus speaking. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and, and out and find pasture. The thief, this is the devil, cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And skip down, if you would, to verse 15 and 16. As the Father knoweth me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Oftentimes people blame God for the things that happen in their lives, but it's not, it's not God doing those things. God is light. In him there is no darkness. Jesus said that he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus laid down his life willingly for us. He gave it. That is something fantastic to share with others. The sheep of the other fold that's mentioned here is the Gentiles. That's us, right? Unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. So we are part of the promise. So when he talks about being a shepherd of another fold, that's what it's talking about, the Gentiles, how it's all one. How, would we, how could we not want to share this with others? This is great news that we have. We have the keys to life. We have the answers. Turn, if you will, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and to, recover, and to recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. This was Jesus' commission. He knew exactly why he was sent. In the oldest scripts that we have of the Bible, all the letters kind of run together. There's no punctuation. There's no commas, there's no broken down into chapters and subheadings. It was all put together. So Jesus would have had to have known the scripture very well to be able to pick it out and go and just read this specific spot and then stop. In the new birth, we have Holy Spirit, right? So that's God in Christ in you. We actually have the same commission that Jesus had. And what was that? Let's see. It's to preach, a, preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, preach deliverance to the captives, and set at liberty them that are bruised. We have that same commission. Well, how, how do I know this? Well, let's look at John chapter 14. John chapter 14, verse 12. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me the works that I do, he shall do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. 
So we know what, from what we read in the Bible what kinds of work Jesus did. He is now with the Father. We now have Holy Spirit. The greater works that are being spoken of, eternal life. We can help others receive Holy Spirit. If you think about that, the fact that we can be born again, that we have eternal life, that it's incorruptible seed, as the Bible says, that is better than being healed of a sickness because we're talking about our eternal life, our spiritual eternal life with our Heavenly Father. That's greater deliverance than anything we could have deliverance from here on this earth. Way better. That is a greater work. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we're not living for ourselves anymore. We're living for Christ. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more after the flesh. Therefore, if a man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given us the ministry of reconciliation." To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So we no longer live for ourselves. We have been charged and given the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors of Christ. Think about that. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is somebody who goes forth and represents someone or something. The United States has ambassadors all over the world to represent the interests of the United States. We have been given a great honor to be ambassadors for Christ. Think about that. Let that sink in just a minute. That's not a light thing. How are you representing yourself when you go out? Are you being a good ambassador? We've been given the word of reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation. That's to bring those who are lost and reconcile them to God. Man, that's awesome. What a privilege. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 4, uh, verses 1, and we're going to read through verse 6. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have re renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. 
But if our gospel be hid, it is hid from them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is in the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not unto ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. The gospel is hid to them who are lost. Who hid the gospel? The God of this world. If you think about our daily lives, how easy is it to lose track of what really matters? We are bombarded daily by things, right? There's all kinds of distractions. It's the sitcom that we're watching. It's Netflix. It's, it's uh, Facebook. It's all the little worries people bring to you and lay on your feet. And it, it, there's constant distractions. I once went with a guy. Uh, I was on a fishing trip, and this guy told me, um, his name was Hines, and he lives up on the Salmon River where there's no cell phone coverage, there's no radio stations, there's no TV, there's none of that stuff. It's him and the outdoors. And this guy's been there 40-plus years living in the wilderness, right? He, now, he guides, guides fishermen. He, he's got a jet boat, and it's not like he's completely isolated. But it was interesting in talking to him this one day. He said that every summer there was young people who would come up and he said they were really excited and pumped up to be in nature. And he said that within a couple, two or three days, a couple weeks, a lot of those kids would leave. And he said what happened is after they were alone, they started hearing themselves. There was no more distractions. And they weren't comfortable with the thoughts. They weren't comfortable with who they were. And they couldn't handle it. They didn't like what they were seeing, and so they would leave to get back to the distractions. He said every now and again you'd find a kid who, man, that, they, were, they knew who they were, they were grounded, knew, knew what they were interested in, and so those distractions weren't a problem for them. So think about how busy is your mind? Do you take time to get quiet, just to contemplate, just to pray, just to get right with God, to spend time in His Word? When someone is lost, they are in darkness. The gospel of Christ brings light to them who are lost in the, dark, in the darkness. <clears throat> so why don't you turn to Philippians chapter 4. Now you might be saying to yourself, well, I'm not sure about all this. I don't know what to say. I don't know even... Well, where to begin, and, or, and I don't think I have the skills necessary to share uh, what you're talking about here, Shane. Well, I think it's important that we look at what God's Word has to say about that. So if we turn to Philippians chapter 4, I've got to turn there too. <clears throat> We're going to read two verses here, verse 13 and 19. Verse 13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do all things. Well, what about, no, 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 no. It says all things. So if I can do all things, then that means there is nothing lacking. I have no absence of skill. I have no absence of anything. I can do all things through Christ. It's not, not of me. Let's not, don't get that confused. It's not of me. Shane can't do all things. 
but I can do all things through Christ. And then verse 19, it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God shall supply all our need. His riches are limitless. His resources have no end. He created the heavens and the earth. How could we put any kind of possible lid on what his resources are? We are lacking nothing. So when you think you can't do it, get your nose in the word because you can. We can do all things through Christ. God's resources are limitless, and he shall supply all our need. Remember, anytime God's word says shall, that's a promise, and you can bank on it. It's only up to us to step out on it and believe it. So we know the way. If there is someone lost or doesn't know how to do something or how to get somewhere, they will often seek out a guide. Someone who has been there and done that. So what does a guide do? A guide directs. A guide teaches. A guide shows where the hazards are. A guide knows the history. Has wisdom. Experience. Can teach others. So let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Why might it be important to have a guide? Matthew chapter 7 starting in verse 13. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Straight is the gate and narrow is the path. Have you ever been in the mountains trying to follow a little faint path? You've got to really pay attention, right? Versus a road. It's well marked. Lots of people go down it. It's pretty easy to follow that one. We know where the gate is and we know the path. We're on it. If you're born again, you're on that path. You've made it through that gate. You have some experience. You're qualified to be a guide. Flip a couple pages to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10, uh, we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to skip down to uh, verse 5. And this is Jesus, and this is when he's uh, sending his disciples out. It said, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. And then down to verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purse, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And in whatever city, whatsoever city or town you shall enter, inquire who who in it is worthy, and there abide till you go thence. And when you come into an house, salute it. 
And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it not be worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words, then you depart out of the house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in the, their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given to you the same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. So this, there's a lot of stuff in here, and I'm not going to try to break it down, but there's a couple key points, and some of this is true for us. In verse 8, it says, freely you have received, freely give. We have freely been given the Spirit, the new birth, so we can freely share that with others. Freely giving doesn't mean being stingy, Right? So don't kind of hold it to yourself. It's not, it's not only your treasure. It's something to hold forth to others. In verse 19, God will tell us what to say. He always backs up his word. Sometimes we get in situations, we're not really sure what we need to say or how we need to say it. That's why we need to be in constant communication with the Spirit, with God. He will give us the words that we need to say. Something else to consider here, from the context, we can see that not everyone will receive. Not everyone wants to hear what we have to share. The disciples were given instruction regarding this. We should also be aware that not everyone wants to have what we have to offer. Let's look a little bit more at that. Turn to Proverbs chapter 9. Spend a little bit of time in the New Testament. Let's go to the Old Testament. Proverbs chapter 9, and we're going to read 7 through 9. For he that reproveth a scorner getteth to himself shame, and he that rebuketh a wicked man getteth himself a blot. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. Sometimes we encounter folks who just like to argue for the sake of arguing. We've all been in those situations. Doesn't matter what you say. Doesn't matter your position. They just want to argue. Don't waste your time. If you find yourself in a situation, ask God. You may need to just walk away. If someone is hungering and thirsting, they will be receptive to the gospel of Christ. They're craving it. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6. It says, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample under them, trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. What we have is quite valuable. The gospel of Christ is of tremendous value. This is telling us not to give that which is valuable to those who will not appreciate it or also hold it in value. 
We need to ask God to send those who are hungering and thirsting our way. They need a guide, and we are equipped and ready to be that guide. Turn, if you will, to Colossians chapter 3. If nothing else, you'll learn some of the books in the New Testament this morning. <laughs> Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right, starting in verse 1, we're going to read here a little bit. There's some great truths in here. I encourage you to spend some time looking at this on your own through the week. This really speaks a lot about how we are dead to the flesh. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, inordinate affection, evil conspicuous, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walk sometimes when you lived in them. But now ye also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Put it off. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge after the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also ye do ye. But above all these things, put on charity. I was taught that the charity is the love of God and the renewed mind and manifestation. Think about that a minute. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all things in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And the next verse, a lot of guys like this, we're just going to skip it right now for another teaching. So we are dead to the old man after the flesh. Verse 3 says, Christ is our life. We now live for Christ. Remember, we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are Christ's ambassadors. We're not living for ourselves anymore. That was the flesh guy, right? Now we're... We're, it says Christ is our life. We are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. There's only one way to let that happen. We have to spend time in the book. And we have to have, spend time communicating with God. This isn't just a Sunday thing. This is a 24-7 thing. What do others see when they look at us? Are we representing Christ? 
Do they see Christ dwelling in us richly? Whatever we do, we do in the name of the Lord, and we do it heartily, cheerfully, without complaining. It's a privilege. We're Christ's ambassadors. We're also wanting those others to seek us out to be a guide, right? So we've got to be living right. We need to have the knowledge that God has given us. A couple more verses here. We're getting closer to the end. Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and give light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see the good, your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We are the lights in this world. We bring that light to those who are lost in darkness. We don't hide the light. We don't cover it up. We share it. Have you ever noticed how light dispels darkness? You can be in the darkest of dark places and the smallest glimmer of light, the darkness flees. In spiritual terms, that is exactly what happens. When somebody gets a hold of God's word, when somebody gets a hold of what's available, it starts dispelling the darkness that's in their life. It flees. The adversary represents darkness in the Bible. He absolutely, positively cannot stand the light. So we shine forth as lights. Let's not hide that. Turn, if you will, to James chapter 4. James chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 13. Go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow we will do, go in such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get again. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, what appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that you ought to say, if the Lord will... We shall live and do this or that. But now you rejoice in your, <clears throat> in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. So I just wanted to read uh, 14 and 15. So life is short. It's unpredictable. Let's not waste our time. We don't want to put off tomorrow what can be done today. If God is telling you to go share the word with someone, do it. We have no idea what's going to happen to us later today, if that person's going to be around tomorrow. The fact is, we don't know. Every one of us has experienced something in our lives that was completely unpredictable. Somebody, we've lost someone that we cared about deeply. We've known of those who were killed in a wreck. Um, things happen. And it's, you know, it talks about our life is just a vapor. I mean, you've seen steam off a pot. That's gone pretty quick. So in the context of things, our life is very, very short. So let's not waste it. Last verse, 
Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. That's in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and whom will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. God is looking for volunteers to share his word, to shine his lights. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you. Are you ready and willing to be an ambassador, a guide, reconciling those who are lost in darkness to Christ? Walk with God. Ask him to direct you. He will absolutely back you up. So get out there. You got this. That's it. Thanks.